Welcome, no everyone. Hey, don't interrupt me. Welcome, uh-huh. everyone, to the NCDA Fireside Chat number two. <laughs> uh, I'm Felix Peroni. Um, with us today is Zygmus Maloney, president of the NCDA, and Dylan Fettig, who is resident hot man, also known as the director of League Expansion. Um, today we will be talking about League Ambassadors, season definition, and substitution stuff. Um, if you look on our forums, we have uh, different rules that we have been proposing, and it's fun. You should check it out. Definitely. And Swaz here, too. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> oh, I didn't even see you on there. And Van Swaz here, too. There's no picture, I'm sorry. It's okay. I was in the last one, but it said I can ask questions, but you guys weren't responding to them, so I don't think you could see them at all. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to do this, because um, I don't know how to do on-air stuff. Well, I know how to do it, and I'm just not good at it. Oh. Now you actually got a link, and like anybody can kind of join the call when I put that link in the Athens Club. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a little bit better than it was last time trying to invite people. But um, the the questions, the Q and A thing is weird. Any, anyways, uh, <laughs> already the pirate comes out. No, no, we won't do it. <laughs> I just have to uh, test it out, make sure it was working. So, um, what are we starting off with? What do you guys think? Well, uh, let's start with the League Ambassadors. I think this is an excellent idea, and I'd like to see it come to uh, come into our league. So, uh, Jacob Lesky from Central Michigan had sent me a Facebook message um, proposing this type of thing, where the director of League Expansion should have anywhere between five and ten ambassadors who who kind of travel from school to school in their area and try to recruit new schools into the league. Uh, this would just help with league growth, and it would actually help Dylan out a lot, I know, because right now he does a lot of answering emails, um, but this would be actually something where they see someone's face, they get to know people, and hopefully it would actually start teams off on a good foot where they're not learning the grip after their first game. Right. Um, I like, well, there's a really good powerful, uh, really good power in conversation. So this is why we're doing this over hangout so we can see each other in faces. Because uh, a lot of that is part of just building that face-to-face relationship. And uh, I think the, the, the idea behind the it would be really nice, and I really hope we're able to people to do it. Uh, my issue is that we already are strapped for people. Maybe they'll think about it, and they'll, they can be more set to do it. More take on the responsibility, I guess. Yeah. Dylan, what do you think about this? This would directly affect your role, yeah. Mr. Pokemon Master. Right. 
Um, yeah, I'm in serious mode. It's backwards. So. Um, yeah, actually. <laughs> um, it would be really nice. I don't, I'm not sure exactly um, how we would use them. Like, so, yeah, we have ambassadors and we send them to schools, but, like, what do they do when they're there? That would, that we'd have to work on that. Yeah. Um, the way I think Lesky had proposed to me in a longer conversation that we had, he basically wanted schools that were interested that had emailed the league originally right. um, saying that they're interested in starting a league. We would send one of these ambassadors to them, and they would kind of show up to the first practice or um, help the the leadership that already exists or that that's interested in existing and help them with recruiting or something like that. Just kind of helping everyone on the forefront of starting a club. Right. But, there's yeah, no, I agree. Bit, I mean, there's a little bit of stuff that happened uh, with Akron and, like, Kent functioned as... I just, DePaul did the same thing because they're across the city. We just went out. We uh, went to their practices. They came to our practices. For a long time, they didn't have gypsy, so they were just mooching off us. Um, right. Uh, it's kind of legitimizing one aspect. Yeah. Yeah, I think a really big thing with recruiting new schools is like educating the student body about the possibility of creating a dodgeball team. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like people go to a college and they're like, well, you know what, I'm just going to start up a club. <laughs> Which it, do- it does happen, but if you don't know about the league, right. then you're not going to do that. Yeah. Few and far between. Right. Um, one thing that I had, I had talked to Dylan about earlier this year, maybe we can set up where two universities can can play each other at like a, a school in between them. So <clears throat> get more schools in the Midwest in like Illinois where uh, DePaul can meet halfway with Western Kentucky and then um, we could just play a game on their campus and try to develop a uh, an interest that way. Yeah, I think that would be a great, great thing to do. Um, the only issue I had with it was, I, I mean, love that I, I love that idea. That's a really good idea, and it's like most of the time they're gonna want you to pay for space, and that's the main reason. Like, really so if you're an outside identity, you would have to like. As a nonprofit organization like the NCAA coming in, spreading dodgeball, maybe doing some clinic with like local students, uh, the local involvement, and try to spin it that way um, to make sure to kind of get them to give us space for free just to play like an hour game, stuff like that. Um, I have a question. So, what what would be like the stipulation or the prerequisites um, to become an ambassador? I guess. Well, um, right now 
we have a couple schools that are like central to their specific region. Like UMD is a great team um, because they're central to all those like little East Coast um, that are very sparse, not sparse, but they're very densely populated. Uh, Ohio State is another one for Ohio. Like all the Ohio teams are within like an hour to two hours, not that long distance. So it's kind of like it would be easy if there was somebody there, but to be honest, at our at our work level, we just need somebody to do it and step up. Um, it'd be great if we could force like somebody at Maryland or Ohio State to function in that capacity, or like somebody Michigan is a, or Michigan State is a very uh, it's closer to everyone else. So if we could force somebody to be from there, it'd be great, but at this point, we just need somebody to step up. So yeah. someone, someone, so vocation is a one prerequisite, I'm assuming that's what you're saying there. Yeah, someone location, close to those that, willingness to travel. Um, I know that we talked about uh, internally um, or on the forum or somewhere about uh, stipulation, travel stipulation. Uh, <laughs> I'm confused. I don't know how to add black now. Because <laughs> it asked me if I it said Felix Peroni wants to know do you want to block Dylan. I was like, wait, why? Because <laughs> I saw you muted him. Because I think the reverb was coming from you. But yeah. <laughs> and then it says Dylan blocked Felix. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how to. I don't, I don't know how to fix it now. I don't know how to un. I didn't mean to block Dylan. I just yeah, used it. Can I hear each other now? No. No. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, I can't do anything about it. Yeah, you can't uh, click okay. into his little pictures and or. Uh, he just disappeared from my screen. Oh. He's not even there. I don't know if he's <laughs> there for you guys. Yeah, he's there. I think he might have oh. just left though. Well, that's a. I mean, did you kind of get what I was saying, Vansois, about uh, I guess that willingness to travel, kind of being centralish in 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 the, in the region, or just in a place where we don't have any people and we want people, and it's not that hard to get to the university around there. Yeah. Right. So like, like I'm just like in terms of things like experience, like I was thinking more lines because location. So you got location, like how much experience or something does this person need? Just kind of like, you know, as if it were a real job. What would be the prerequisites to you know be able to apply for this position? Or I, I would like to see people involved that that have been in the league for a, no little than like no fewer than two or three years. They need to be familiar with the rule set. They need to have an approachable personality. I don't want people going in there with the with the identity that um, my university is going to crush yours, so I'm just going to set you guys up for failure. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think running a club or being some kind of officer helps because... Uh, it's really tough to start off uh, a new club at anywhere, and I know there's a lot of a lot of good backup on campus. A lot of times, just in generally, like uh, I'm, people are more willing to work with you. And I know there's there's horror stories of like just people not being able to 
work with the bureaucracy, but a lot of times they want that student involvement, so they'll work uh, they'll work along with you. Um, but having somebody that's already done that stuff or has done the simple things like recruiting and teaching rules to the new people, that would help. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's good to just kind of hash that little part out, just so we make sure you yeah. know we get the right kind of people in that role. That's totally what this this whole meeting is for: is to, to hash stuff out. Mm-hmm. That's good ideas. Um, I have no problem once the league kind of replenishes its funds from nationals this year um, giving if if paying for gas or if they have to stay overnight paying for a cheap hotel room I have no problem giving travel stipends if these ambassadors are willing to do a quality job yeah yeah, I, whenever we start giving giving people money, we have to have a, a pretty good ex- expectation of what they need to do. Yeah. Because we don't have that much to give away. It's just a simple fact. We just, right. We're not that... We're, we're not uh, on the federal government's tax list. <laughs> we have no yeah. money. The league okay. takes in less than $2,500 a year. So, yeah. I mean, we can pretty much do what we want with the money, but, I mean, it'll, because the IRS isn't going to come looking for us because they don't care about our organization, but at the same time, I don't want to start off in, in the negative eyes of the IRS if or whenever the league becomes larger and develops sponsorships where we're actually making money. Yeah, definitely. Um... um. Is Dylan still there? No, he left. Uh, okay. He left like minutes ago. Oh. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what happened there. He can still I'm, get in the link, I believe. Yeah. The <laughs> reverb was definitely coming from him, though. I think. Yeah. That's um, Can any of you in try to invite him again? Yes. All he has to do is click on that link that you gave us. I don't know if it works while you're in live. Oh. Which could be an issue, but... Uh, I just sent it again to, uh, to our group. All right, so... Um, I don't know. Uh, we can probably revisit if he gets back in here. Yeah. Um, are there any, like, passing stuff? Oh, there he is. Oh, back. Pokemon Master. <laughs> I had to use a different account. It won't let me use my other one. Because you're blocked. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were just go. We were just revisiting any league expansion thing. Um. Okay. Do you have anything else? Uh, we talked about um, just league stipends. Summarize: League stipends for traveling, job requirements, quality of ambassadors, quality of people we we would like to be ambassadors. Right. Um, I I kind of talked about it a little bit at the captain's meeting, but um, at the start of the year, trying to get into some of the uh, club recruitment fairs or whatever. Um, that would be 
I think that'd be huge for recruiting new teams. Um, and it would be nice if the league could help pay the ambassadors for, you know, traveling or staying the night. If we could have them go to these, go to the recruitment things and then, like, possibly stay there overnight and then, like, hold a meeting for all these, all the students they just had sign up and, yeah. and then talk to them about what they would need to do to start a club. I think that would be exceptional. I like that idea. So we would show up to other universities' club recruitment fairs. Right. Uh, I, I like that. I think that would be really beneficial. That's where WKU got all of its recruits. Well, yeah. by all, I mean, yeah. like, the 13 that we have. Right. Um, <laughs> but... What kind of schools would, would sell for that? So, um, as opposed to smaller state schools or um, the bigger, more established, like maybe University of Illinois or right. I mean, I want to hit up Indiana, Indiana University, Purdue, um, IUPUI, Indiana. Notre Dame, U of M. Mm hmm. Yeah. I'm really surprised that U of M never got a team. I'm told that they... I heard from someone that they tried to start one and then the school told them they already have too many club sports so they couldn't make another. They have too many club sports? I think that was a particular issue... Um, for one team that couldn't be a club sport, so they were forced into being a regular student organization. And I want to say yes. something like the East Coast or something. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. But it was like, it was that same thing. It's like, we have too many club sports, but you can create a regular student organization and not have any fancy stuff like free court time or yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I'd like to do, I'd like to aim at larger universities because they're more attractive. And I, I know that UK had talked about this when uh, for nationals this year. They wanted to play against Michigan State because they wanted a, a, a billable game. They wanted something right. that they could post on their website and market towards, like, hey, University of Kentucky's playing Michigan State. Like, it's a big deal. And a right. lot of smaller schools would love the opportunity to play these these bigger schools. Uh, before dodgeball, I never heard of Grand Valley State or Saginaw Valley or even Central Michigan. But I, right. of course, had heard of OSU and UK and... Uh, some of the bigger name schools, and it's just cooler for the smaller schools to be able to p play against these bigger ones. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that would help in recruiting or, like, convincing uh, the other schools that they need to get a club, too. Like, say, mm -hmm. hey, U of M, Michigan State has a team, Maryland has a team, Ohio State has a team, all these Big Ten teams have yeah. teams. You need to get with it. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. 
uh, Josh Raymer had come up with something years and years ago. He wanted to go to um, baseball varsity baseball tryouts in the fall and then recruit the people who didn't make the team yeah. to the dodgeball club. That ended up not working out because when we approached the athletic department about that, they just kind of laughed at us. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> But I think there are other there are other avenues that we can use to to recruit people. Um, I I've never participated in an elite event, but I have to imagine that not everyone there is out of college. Right. And so uh, kind of spreading spreading the word that way. Um, whenever we play the Sky Zone dodgeball, we always talk about the NCDA trying to recruit teams from uh, Louisville or Lexington. Or not, yeah, Lexington and um, the other areas of Kentucky that have universities that aren't in the league currently. Right. Yeah. Elite seems to be pretty populated by um, older than college age people. Okay. But um, there is a team that just played their first tournament uh, two weekends ago. They're from Minnesota, so that's a... I don't, they're, they're younger guys too, so I don't know if they're in college or not. But gotcha. Yeah, that good, might be a good, a, good, a good thing to pursue. At least it's right. like, hey, would you uh, go to any colleges? Right. Uh, we have a huge college league, uh, and it's pretty much the only college inter- intercollegiate uh, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Right. There's, t- there's a small, tiny one in. Uh, the Toronto area. There's only the Toronto villages. Um, <laughs> there's the one. There's the one down in Arizona. Yeah, there's there's one there, and then there's like the big UK one, the actual United Kingdom uh, national circuit, which has a college league that's attached to like everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're they're out there, but we're pretty much it. Um, right. For rubber dodgeball, unless they're playing uh, something like the Rowan. Um, university invite mm-hmm. on uh, the East Coast with like Towson and, and I think UMD, Rowan, Rutgers. I've been trying to get like they, Sean does a great job. Like he his Towson guys always try to recruit people from that, but nobody really does anything. Yeah. So and it's it, a lot of our stuff has always been word of mouth. So I think the league ambassador idea is kind of attaching that word of mouth and, and getting putting a face on it. Yeah, it would basically give people, you know, right now they have they have little incentive to try to recruit people, but if you give them a title and say, hey, this is your job, and they would say it would be more likely to try to recruit people harder than, than they would now. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to hurt us either. So, like, we have to do no. anything to give them a title. And we don't even have to have these these roles assigned for like a certain amount of a certain term. We could say, right. "Hey, we just got a message from a team out in New Jersey, um, Maryland. It's only three hours away from you. Could you guys send someone? Um, yeah. we'll, we'll obviously like interview them, make sure they're the right person for the job, give them the travel stipend, and then send them on their way. Um, That's a really good one. But it doesn't okay. have to be like a set position with a term. 
be like everything else in this league. We just fly by the seat of our pants and then yeah. hope it works out. <laughs> That's a good one. I, I like that idea almost more than uh, like a regular regional representative. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit more work on us, but usually if we're good, we, if we do the work, it kind of results in a little bit better, better, more adaptable, versatile thing. Yeah. I like that. Um, Alright. I think that's good. That was a good conversation. I like we covered a lot of stuff. Does anybody else have anything What's they'd like to say on the list? Wait, I gotta ring my gong. <laughs> <laughs> uh the next thing I don't have it pulled up because I'm on my phone actually. Um Next thing is the season definition. Uh, okay, so Sean brought this up. Um, it was basically he wanted to start <sighs> What just happened? Uh, Sean wanted to set a season for right after Nationals up until so I, uh, we completed the 2015 season at Nationals. Uh, the 2016 season under Sean's terms would start at uh, 2016, start right after Nationals on Monday. And so any events that were played in May, you know, attach that season. Um, a little bit how we do now. Now we just generally the records. FT would be this season, this past season, so 2015, and then it kind of starts up in August. Um, and we even noticed Treasury defines the fiscal year for the NCDA from June. June 31st and then July 1st, so that's where our definition comes in, um, and that's kind of where our season comes from. What do you guys think is the best point to start the season? Well, we definitely need an off season. Um, we need an off season just to uh, to implement all the changes for the rule book. Um, to update policies in our constitution, to to give some transitional period for the administration and for just the teams. Um, if we started, it would be harder for us to regulate also um, for students who aren't enrolled in school over the summer, who aren't taking summer classes. It'd be harder to to define when students are eligible and when they are not. Um, I'm definitely in favor of keeping it the way we have it, where we have a three-month off-season in May, June, and July. 
and then we start back up in August just to give us that time period of getting everything reset for the next season. Because if everything is just rushed right after the other, teams are going to schedule games for three weeks after Nationals. That will happen, which, I mean, it's fine, but there's just there's no time for us to get resettled. So actually, this weekend is May, the Stevenson event. Yeah. Um, they, I talked to them before. I was like wondering if they wanted to make it a, a legitimate match. We'll try to find, uh, try to develop that question because most schools run after nationals are traditional April, April event. Uh, DePaul runs all the way till June. Um, so does OSU because they're on the trimester quarter system. Yeah. Um, which generally screws things up. For a lot of other people, but it's fine for us. Um, but it's weird. Uh, they ended up Stevenson ended up classifying their event as uh, exhibition match. So like whoever came out, Towson is going to come out. I think UMD might have come out. It'll be like a little nice little fun off season event essentially right now. It's, uh, yeah, I, I agree with the off-season thing, but I also really want to stress that summer dodgeball events are okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. The reason, the reason why I like that um, that off-season idea is because it allows teams to go and play an elite, essentially. Because mm-hmm. uh, elite has their season. Uh, it's like three events for a season. A couple of weekends and for them. It's just like Elite North and Elite West Coast. But anyways, I, I like it because of that idea, essentially. Um, and I like starting the season on like August 1st, because I think that gives enough people enough time uh, to sort things out and, and gives us enough ministry of time to release stuff. Yeah, I think the right. earliest ever event was August twenty fifth. Um, WKU and UK, yeah. um, they play early on. We used to play the week, the same week classes start. We did that for three years, and that was a nightmare for for WKU because WKU is constantly in a rebuilding state. Our retention rate is garbage, um, and so we would come to a game with with like 10 freshmen who have never played dodgeball before. We just put them on the varsity roster because they said they could go. <laughs> and it was a good way of throwing them into the fire, but a lot of those guys never returned because we just got obliterated. Yeah. Uh, it depends. Like I... I... When I came into officership at DePaul, like 2010, um, I was really excited to do a lot of dodgeball events. So I like scheduled a lot of different stuff, and I was very proud to start the league. They're having their opening match. Uh, that was when Moody was in the league, which is so easy to uh, go across town, 
go to the brown line and just, uh, just play dodgeball and then like go to Chick-fil-A afterwards because that was right near it. Um, oh, man, I wish, I wish that that experience could be more prevalent in the league. Um, Akron and Bowen Wallace and Kent are all within like 45 minutes of each other, which is a great a great thing, and I think that that would be really helpful just to get more matches. That's probably off topic, but... Um, yeah, it's like Stevenson and Towson. They're pretty close, aren't they? Yeah, no, they're, they're right down the street, like 15 minutes, 10 minutes. And then Davenport is down the street from Grand Valley, I think. Yeah, I think they're actually in a different municipality. Yeah, they're on the... They're actually in Grand Rapids. Grand Valley's not in Grand Rapids. Yeah, they're in Allentown or Allenville or Allen's Butt or something like that. Allendale, come on. All right, well, one of those. <laughs> it doesn't make the map. It's okay. Um, I actually just redid the map a couple days ago. Oh. Um, it's fun putting all those stars in, but <laughs> like, we lost a lot of stars on the team. But now they're not stars, they're dots, but we lost on the map. So what if we did, um, what if we did, like, if you played games after Nationals, that would just count as the same season. So they would be recorded matches, but they wouldn't affect any standings for the next season. So they would... Um, count for uh, matches played this weekend. Count for 2015 season. Right. Because, okay. I mean, it's your same roster. Because yeah. next year you're going to have people graduate and you're going to have new freshmen. It's a pretty different roster. Um, I guess for the sake of not limiting people, um, we allow that, right. essentially. Right. To, and if it happens, it happens. It hasn't ever happened, really. Right. Um, there hasn't been... Grand Valley played an exhibition match versus somebody, but it didn't count as a match, so uh, that team didn't join the league. That was the one that was in the offseason. Uh, Mayday for DePaul's is explicitly like anti-regulated event, so it's not really... Part of that, I, I, yeah. I guess for the sake of, of not um, setting a rule and being more like, well, if it happens, it happens. I think uh, mm -hmm. that'd be good to attach it to the 2015 season. Right. Yeah, maybe. So May, we should have a month off. Think. <laughs> uh, July probably. I mean, like a traditional summer point. Like you can play in May. You can play up until like mid June or something. And they would apply. I mean, you can play anytime you want. It just may not be an NCDA sanctioned event. I mean, we don't we don't forbid Grand Valley from playing an elite wearing their jerseys, playing Elite, or DePaul playing Elite, wearing their jerseys. Right. Um, but it's just a different 
it's a different game. I mean, if if DePaul wanted to play a game against um, Wisconsin and they wanted to play DePaul rules dodgeball, I mean, it wouldn't be an NCDA sanctioned event, but at least all those guys still get to play. And since it's not an event played by our rule set, they they're not um, the record wouldn't count for those games. Right. Yeah. Um, let's see. Zig, I'm trying to find your map on the website. I can't. Uh, go to the about page and then click on like the link in the first paragraph. The association. Oh, look at that. Cool. Um, I had to recreate that map because it was it was built. In a very poorly manner, but now it's all. Anything <laughs> I do now is is built for the next generation. Yeah. Hopefully. Um. You can tell which teams didn't show up to nationals on this map. <laughs> yeah. We just we need Indiana. Like it's just it's just missing. <laughs> terrible. Indiana West, uh, West Virginia. Paul, we don't want any Indiana teams. You don't because, want Indiana? Yeah, that's well. As an administrator, I want Indiana teams because it's it's better for the league. But DePaul never wanted to play any Indiana school, so we never did any recruiting there. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Just because we don't like Indiana. Okay. It's a Chicago thing. And yeah, it's a very Chicago it. thing to not like it. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> they don't like us either, so it's mutual. Yeah. That's uh, fair. We never had anybody from Indiana that like wanted to get anything. There was no. a couple. Northwest Indiana did have a small club team, and they're like the size of, uh, I think, like Saginaw um, in terms of school. A school size, but uh, I think I emailed them like a while ago, but they never said anything. Yeah. Uh, that's recruiting. It's just difficult. Um, you got to have somebody that's excited at the school to create something new. Regardless yeah. of what it is. Uh, there's a couple of teams that were just created because the guy wanted to play, wanted to create any group at all and just. Dodgeball sounds fun. There's a league. No twos. Let's do it. Yeah. Like Sienna Heights. That was just yeah. McCarthy just wanting to play dodgeball, so he... <laughs> right. Didn't set something up, so it fell apart. Yep. St. Ambrose University. I haven't heard anything about them in um, Iowa. It's a similar thing. They didn't have a lot of people. Gotcha. Um, and Davis, it, yeah. And then he never ever responded back to me at all. Like, I have a very long list of comments, just him just not doing anything, not responding to me. Gotcha. But they, when I went out, to, when we went out for their inaugural match, they had a home match. Uh, Wisconsin Platteville and DePaul came out, and it was great. They had uniforms. Uh, yeah. 
with the UWP or the Saint not UWP with Saint Ambrose on them, and like I thought that was amazing. I was so hopeful, but then never responded back to me. Uh, we're off topic. Yeah, what were we talking about? Um, we'll probably move on to the next one. We were talking about season definition. <laughs> definition. It's interesting. Alright, so we're done on that topic? Uh, yeah, gong it. <laughs> Alright. The next topic will be... Oh, damn it, I thought that was a drum roll. This one. It will be substitutions. <laughs> uh, so I think you had like three different threads um, on substitution stuff. Yeah, I, I basically every time Nick Johnson con- uh, contacted me about a, a rule clarification on substitution stuff, I wrote a rule about it because he liked to, as, as I'm sure anybody who played WKU this year, that he liked to manipulate the way the game was played by calling timeouts and substituting and everything like that. So I just wanted to write clarification rules or things to prevent him from doing these, this stupid shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, one rule that I... I wanted to put into place was it was just a it was just a definition and a clarification of something that we already kind of enforce, but it's not explicitly wrote, written in the rule book. Uh, basically, once a team member is substituted onto the bun- bench, they cannot re-enter the court during that same point. So basically, this would keep you from from rotating. It, once somebody's off, they're off. That's how it is in like professional soccer. Um, and I think it's the only sport that does that, to my knowledge. Once you're substituted, you can't be substituted back into the game. Uh, specifically, right? Yeah. What? Baseball. Baseball. Base- I don't know anything about baseball. So. <laughs> if you're taken off, then you can't be put in back back in that position. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with them coming in the next point, but just not not during that same point. You know, I, I thought about this a long time ago and how douchey it would be, but if, let's say, Kevin Bailey was in the outline and then we had a freshman, was the only one left on the court, we could call a timeout, substitute Kevin off of the ben- the outline into the bench players and then call another timeout and then substitute him from the bench players to the to the uh, court. Yeah. I think there is a rule that says you can't substitute in the jail. I'm not sure. I don't think there is, but you you put it into the new rule, so... Yeah. I think it's... But, yeah, um, so it's just to prevent things like that. Um, another one I, I proposed was limiting the number of players you can substitute per timeout. Um, so, as you know, you get two timeouts per half. And basically what I I said is you, you limit the number of players to two. You can only substitute two players per timeout. Um, two what's the rational behind that? Do what? What's the rationale behind that? I I had no rationale. It was just I just didn't want entire benches coming off the court. I feel like if you if you uh, 
let's say that um, a team is up three to two, and they start they start kind of their their five people that have been riding the bench the whole time, right? And then they start losing and getting down, right? I don't I don't think it's right to just like flood the court back with their star players who had been sitting out that point. And I don't know why I think that, because as I'm thinking about it, it doesn't make much sense. <laughs> but um, either either way, I don't know why I wrote that. I had a rationale, but I didn't write it down, so now it's gone forever. Well, the only problem I have with it is if you're, like, playing in a close game or in the national championship game or something and your bench people haven't played all game but you're winning and there's only a couple minutes left you want to get you want to switch yeah. all five five of your guys in so they they get playing time play. right hmm yeah but I understand what you mean. I yeah no, that makes sense I don't know I don't know again I don't know why I decided to limit it and I'm, I think it was something that Nick said maybe <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to get around, yeah, just Nick trying to get around rules and I was just trying to put a stop to all that. Yeah. And that's it's I think it's fine to suggest rules that don't make sense just to yeah. just to talk about it. Like I think that's what people have sometimes had problems with. Like you and I when we suggest rules at captain's meetings, they think that we think something's broken, but right. we're just just want to talk about the rules, like what this is possible. So why don't we talk about it? It was like when I, I suggested the terrible rule of three shot clock violations and you forfeit the point. That was just me trying to come right. up with different ideas. I don't I don't think right. that should should happen, but it was just a different idea. It was trying to jog people's um, minds. Yeah. Brainstorming. Right. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Brainstorming. Exactly. Uh, another another one I I kind of suggested, and this is a clarification, um, there's not an explicit rule that says when substitutes can happen. It just says substitutions can happen during a timeout, but it doesn't specify if your team has to call the timeout or not, or if it can happen during an officiate, official times out. So um, I suggested adding in substitutions can happen whenever a timeout is called by either side or by the officiating staff. So if Grand Valley and WKU are playing, Grand Valley calls a timeout, WKU can make substitutions. In yeah. the past, I've always ruled it as uh, uh, I, I would charge, if it was an official timeout and there was an injury, um, I ruled it as that team that was injured is charged timeout if they need to sub that player. Okay. Whatever they don't have to do. Uh, that uh, substitutions can't happen unless you call a timeout. Um, that was just my interpretation of the rule. Right. I'm trying to think but, where... trying to find the rules. Um, it's dangerous to... I mean, substitutions are tied up very heavily to the possibility of an injured player or a player that can't play because they have blood on their person. They have to go... Right. And I think we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't stress or like prevent that from happening because uh, or make it too hard. Yeah, I think if we wrote it as um, like 
you can substitute it at any stoppage of play, and that would cover all of our bases. So yeah. that would include your timeout, their timeout, official timeout, or, you know, reset of a point. Then yeah, we do stoppage of play aside from, um, with the exception of uh, shot clock violation. I don't want there to be substitutes during shot clock violation just because that's not supposed to take yeah. more than 10 seconds just to reset the, sh um, the floor. And plus, yeah. we can exploit it by just, you know, just like whatever, we'll do a shot clock just so we can get a substitution in. Yeah. Well. Uh, also, I want to, while we're on shot clock violations, we need, as a league, to stop captains getting, or people getting on the court during a shot clock violation. Yeah. Uh, in the past two nationals, I've been stressing to the officiating staff that it's not a timeout. Uh, you get the balls over as quickly as possible and then restart play. Um, I A very easy example of this is when I watch NBA basketball. Uh, and they're shooting a free throw point, And it's a two point. So one, it's not one and one. It's, it's a for two not in the bonus situation. But everybody claps their hands after the first one. I shook my phone during that because I, I was trying to clap my hands. Because <laughs> I'm holding it right now. Uh, but that's just an, it's an insane amount of waste of time. And it's just it takes like 20 seconds for everybody to clap their hands and then go back to their positions. And that just, it's not necessary. Yeah. Uh, if I was a, a high school uh, ref, um, basketball ref, I, I just I would cut that out like I do with the MCDA and, and cut that balls over violation um, down to time because it just wastes time. And we already have team uh, games taking an hour and a half when we only have 50 minutes of play time. Right. It's uh, really bad uh, from an organizational perspective. That's just my rant. My rant on that. Yeah. Trying to um, for the longest time. Yeah. That's just something we need to emphasize with the captains. That way the captains don't get on the court at all if they're off. Just, yeah. It, it, happened it, it happened in Grand Valley. Saginaw. Saginaw. And I issued a warning to both teams because both captains were on the point. I'm like, next time it's a yellow card. Yeah. Well, what we could do also is we could charge them with a timeout or a yellow card for delay of game. That could be something. Uh, I, I, I'd say not yellow card. I say warning and then yellow card, which is only yeah. my preventive officiating um, kicking in. Um, timeouts are... It, we go back to them, but they're like... Because you only get four games. Uh, even if there was no halftime, it'd still be four game. It's not a lot of. I know some teams use them to good effect, but in generally, I don't think they they put a lot of a lot of stress or a lot of uh, change in our game. Essentially. Yeah. They do a lot of stuff, but they don't. They're not crucial.
Um, I don't know. Anybody got anything else on that specifically? <laughs> I mean, I'm okay. Um, I just wanted to get all that out there. <laughs> yeah, specifically, I also didn't get your rationale for like limiting to two people. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know why I suggested it, but it was something that Nick said that probably provoked it. Well, if you think about it, they're going to have five on the bench, so that's two out of five. Yep. Five possible people. I'm not that big. Right. In a soccer match, you can only substitute three out of, like, seven, I think, so. Yeah. yeah. The whole game. Um, with, yeah, I mean, we if, if we wanted to limit it, two would have to be the number because we couldn't do three. Well, I guess we could. It's just the first time out you could... I don't know. Shut up. <laughs> two and a half. Yeah, two and a half players. That's it. <laughs> you, have to have, you have to have Kevin Bailey and Austin Morley. They have to join arms on the sideline. They have to, yeah. <laughs> one has to be <laughs> off and one has to be on at all times. <laughs> Good. I'm sure they like that, though, holding hands. They do it. Yeah. All right. All right. Are we done on this subject? Um. Yeah. I, uh, what do you want to talk about? Stuff. I, the substitution stuff. Like, I go. I remember going back to it. I never put a lot of thought into it. Um. In rewriting the rule book. Um. Whatever was there was there. And I, I always thought of it as a, a prevention from injury and to kind of sub out your guys that would be really tired. Yeah. Um, I think uh, if anything needs pursuing in the rule book, I know there's a lot of stuff, mainly officiating mechanics, but uh, substitutions and shot clock. As in changing the shot clock. That would, that would be the point that I would do. That I would look at. What was the... The rule that we we initiated at the captain's meeting, um, whenever a whenever a shot clock violation occurs, then both clocks are reset to zero. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we we got to remember to put that in there. I think I put something in the in the pivotal tracker about it. Um, do we have a rule? And I know this is bad that I'm asking, but what happens when there's an official's timeout. What happens to the shot clocks? Uh, reset to the nearest five on both sides. Okay. I had, all through Nationals, I had been resetting them both to zero. That's what I did, too. Um, most of the time, it didn't, doesn't affect much. Yeah. Because um, usually when you're doing that, it's almost better if it's set to zero because there's a lot of, if an official calls a timeout, it's because there's something wrong somewhere else. Right. Um, especially with equipment and or stuff like that. Or there's a lot of hoopla. Is that something that we should consider maybe changing and just saying if an official if there's an official timeout, then we reset both clocks to zero? I think it's fair. 
I think if you ask something that's uh, what's what's the fairest thing to do, I think setting it to zero is probably best. Yeah, because if um, Grand Valley has a shot clock of 13 and WKU has a shot clock of 9, it would go down to 10 and 9, and Grand Valley could have been winding up for a throw whenever the shot clock was called. I think the original rationale was that it keeps the same as if a timeout was called by another person. Um, okay. Zero is probably the fairest thing to do. I think it's a good catch. Gotcha. I don't think there's really any way that you can um, play that to your advantage unless you, like, smash the clock off of the table or something. Yeah. <laughs> Have somebody aiming at the at the clock. <laughs> the scoreboard. Uh, oh, God. The, the one that was on court six. Yeah, that one. Scores one. And then they, they came over and replaced it, and uh, like, it was great for forever. It was just a broken cable. I think it got hit, too. It got hit, and it's like, I just imagine some intramural, intramural basketball player running into it, smashing up the cord. I imagine a lot of this, uh, but anyways. <laughs> I like the gong. The gong, Felix. Thank you. <laughs> okay. That's that four four gone signalizes that we're almost done with the chat. Uh we're probably done. We're done. Right? Yeah. It's been an hour, so that's the clock ticking. Um what do you guys think for the next one? I'm thinking We need to talk about we need to talk about interns. Yes. God, I don't know why nobody's jumping on this opportunity. I know. If I could have got college credit for working for the league whenever I was an undergrad, that would have been bitching. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, we need to either advertise this better, we could even try to post it up on some job boards and get people who aren't involved in the league if nobody from the league wants to step up and do it. Yeah, or maybe we can um, try and like talk to the college uh, career council offices to let us post it on our job boards. You know, yeah. specific colleges. I, I mean, think um, in order to get that done, we need to talk to every captain um, and say we have an official program. Here's the contract. Is there anybody that's interested? Yeah. And just yeah, I, I, to them. I guess we only talk to the captains. Not the rest of the team. Uh, well, yeah, talk, you talk to the captain. The idea is you talk to the captain and they, they, they go tell the team. Yeah. Um, usually the peop- there's people that know. Um, even just posting it in, like, uh, individual club teams, Facebook group or page doesn't do much. I yeah. I like this for... for the last four years, actually. Oh. And yeah, I, I actually was thinking today, I was like remembering, how did I get involved in this? Because Jazzy was just like, oh, does anyone want to take over paying the website? I'm a poor college newlywed. <laughs> newlywed. Um, I can't afford to pay for it anymore. Um, and I was like, ah, sure, I'll, I'll pick up the website bill. That's fine. <laughs> 
I think I got involved because Jazzy told me I was working the same job that I'm doing now when I was a freshman in college. And he was like, hey, you have a lot of free time. Try to find more teams for everyone to play with. And so I just started... <laughs> I emailed the sport club department of every university in um, Illinois, Nebraska, Wyoming, Colorado. Because at that time, we had Colorado Mining Institute. They had, they had expressed interest in having a team. And so I tried to find teams for them to play. And so... Indiana, too. I emailed every sport club department in Indiana, and the only teams that came out of it were Western Illinois, um, Insula, yeah, and... Yeah, had a team, and it was just like, oh, sure. Yeah. Extreme Dodgeball Club. Yeah, I forgot. They were an extreme dodgeball court. They used to play in the volleyball courts. Yeah. Their court was really nice when we went. They, yeah. like, set up... Uh, they set up like hockey style um, line change, like like the bill the billboards. Mm-hmm. But it, so we as DePaul were kind of doing like line changes over the um, <laughs> line jumps, line change jumps over the, the thing. That was like when hockey was getting big, because that was when the Hawks won in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> we were all hockey crazy, because I don't know, whatever. But no, it's, uh, to go back to it. We need people to do stuff. Yeah, lots of people to do stuff. I want more people to do things. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, I'm still doing it for some reason. I don't even get to play anymore. Yeah. But no, it's, it's fun. I like it. Yeah. More people like that. Especially the developers. Help Vansois out. <laughs> yes. Who is Vansois? Who is Vansois indeed? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alright, I think that that clears up for this conversation. What are we, um, when are we going to meet next? Um... Next Thursday is my birthday, so I probably won't be available. I'm not working, so I might I might put something on like Sunday night, like seven o'clock or something. On um, gonna try to get people from there. This upcoming Sunday or the next Sunday after that? I, the tenth? Uh, whatever. Okay. I maybe right, we could do two. Uh, maybe I'll try to like schedule around Bomus so he can talk about his thing, or um, schedule around some of the other people that submitted stuff. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. Or maybe we can go back and revisit some, like have a a special one just for <laughs> just for like one thing, like the size of the game, like a rally, volleyball rally, uh, best of set. Something like that. I'm good with that. Um, I'm moving. I'm moving again. I guess next Friday, the eighth. So I don't know 
when my internet will be connected in my new apartment. So I may not be able to participate in that one, but uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll post we'll up a um, yeah something. Try to get somebody that wants to do anything. All right, man. Um, men. There's no easy. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you all for coming out. Uh, I thank everybody that suffered and listened through an hour and fifteen minutes of stuff. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of rambling on this one, but that's the point. It's just a conversation. Yep. But it's, it's you know it's it's nice that we have uh, three exec guys in here talking about stuff that we're gonna vote on it soon ish. Right. Or or write up in policy because it helps. If it, yes, it helps. All um, right. Thanks, everyone. All right. All right. Good night, everybody. All right.